Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There is no better group of ones for flower power and forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. With Christmas coming up, I'm sure you're all thinking about what to get the gardener in your life. And later on, I'll be speaking to a man with a wealth of experience in the horticultural trade who might just have some tips for you. From Mr. Fothergill's Seeds, it's David Turner. My thanks to Thompson & Morgan, sponsors of this podcast. What a difference a week makes, hey? Goodness, the weather on Sunday. Couldn't believe it when I got up and everything was bright white and shining up under the curtains. We had about four or five inches of snow. You know, they call that the poor man's fertiliser because as the snow falls, it, it tends to pick up nitrates from the air and so it puts nitrogen into the soil. The other thing is the hard frost, where you've got land already dug. And I wish I had more dug than I have. You just get that really a good freezing and then some snow on it and then slowly thawing and freezing again. Boy, that does the world a good. But I do need to, to put one word of warning this week. If you're out and about handling poinsettias in any way at all, then please keep them warm. You know, they just need two or three extra sheets of newspaper wrapped round them if you're taking them out into the air. Just a few minutes frost can really do the leaves and the, the bracts serious damage. My heart goes out to the nursery people, you know, because when you get minus five and minus ten, boy, the old boilers don't half go into it to keep the greenhouses hot. And, of course, it all costs money. And they work on such a thin margin. And then you've got the problem of keeping the lorries warm when they're moving about and also getting the lorries moving when you have four or five inches of snow suddenly drop out of the sky. So uh, I wish everybody uh, good luck, hope they get through safely and that the plants arrive home in good condition. So what's the news this week? Well, I can tell you that the garden trade is unbelievably healthy with all sales up at garden centres, and especially plants. Uh, that makes my heart feel good, I'll tell you. Plant sales up 14% in November. All, of course, dependent on the weather. And the weather has been quite open, and, of course, very good conditions for planting uh, all of the deciduous woody things. And uh, another report, too, from a magazine called Horticultural Week that says that Long Acres in Bagshot, our biggest garden centre in Britain, have had a tremendous start to the Christmas trade. They say their online sales have already beaten those for 2016 by late October, and they've got two more months to go. So, uh, you know, things are looking pretty good in the gardening world and especially all the flowering plants. I'm thinking of things like uh, 
winter flowering heathers, pansies, violas, hellebores, cyclamen. You know, when you go into the outside area in a garden centre, they really do look pretty bright and sparkly at this time of the year. Uh, there's an awful lot of the small flowered cyclamen knocking about. Uh, and if you're using those for window boxes or containers, they really need to be fairly close to the house where they get quite a bit of protection. You know, if they're against a warm wall, then you're in a very good chance of them even overwintering. They will take several degrees of frost as long as you don't have the roots too wet. I was interested too to hear from Lucy Proctor, who opened her sweet pea florist in Dovercourt just two or three weeks ago. She was uh, talking to us on the programme and she tells me that her takings are well ahead of budget and going really well. So good luck, Lucy. Hope you have a cracking Christmas. Another bit of information, uh, a study group indicates that consumers today are not really happy with the word organic because in experience it has taught them it doesn't work. Seems a pity that because uh, there are some organic treatments. Uh, I was thinking of pyrethrum as a pest control uh, which are quite useful. And a specialist fern grower, Bob Hollister, has made the plea for neonicotinoids, the insecticides which uh, beekeepers are really worried about. Uh, and he says, please don't ban it because there's no reason why we shouldn't use these neonics on uh, plants which don't flower, things like ferns and grasses and conifers. And he says that without them, a pest vine weevil can be a real problem. Actually, you see them at this time of year, little vine weevil larvae. They're C-shaped with a brown head. And if you've got uh, a pot of strawberries or heuchera, something like that, which suddenly wilts or faints, you'll often find the uh, little larvae of vine weevil in the compost. Your best bet there is to just shake the compost out in a shallow tray and the birds love them. Actually, I've got a robin that if I take my time, he will actually come and eat vine weevil larvae, if I can find them, from the palm of my hand. That really makes gardening fun, that does, out there in the gold. Uh, and you feel you're doing the old robin a bit of good and certainly getting rid of some pretty evil vine weevil larvae. And do watch, especially when you're cleaning out begonias, harvesting the tubers, because vine weevil very often get really tight under the skin and through the winter can eat best part of the tuber away. So watch out for those vine weevil and keep the birds happy through the winter. Today I'm very pleased to have David Turner with me from Mr Fothergill's Seeds. Now, David, you and I have met on a number of occasions over the years, particularly at your Newmarket Trial Grounds. But what's your background? How long have you been with Mr Fothergill? With Mr Fothergill's, uh, it's now coming up to seven years, but uh, in horticulture as a whole, probably nearly 30 years next year, I think. So where did you start? Well, first of all, with uh, long gone now, unfortunately, but Fison's Horticulture, based in Ipswich, which has uh, been taken over by a number of companies over the years. They have, yes. That was the old factory in Bramford Road, wasn't it? It was indeed, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, quite a place to work. Yeah. You weren't all 30 years at Fison. 
Oh, no, no. I was there for about 17 years and dipped in and out of the industry, really. But I've also worked on the turf and amenity sector. So golf courses, football grounds with a company called Headland Amenity, which was quite exciting. Yeah. So you have some pretty broad experience in our business. I have indeed, yes. Yeah. Now, Mr. Fothergills, yeah. uh, each year we come in July and August and see uh, your pretty extensive trials. And, yep. and it would be fair to say that you're almost unique in that direction now, aren't you, in the UK? I believe we are now, yes, particularly as it's actually a working trial rather than something just to look pretty, which I think is, is very important to us. Yeah, I mean, it's my background. My first job was working on a seed trial ground in Essex when there were about 15 or 20 companies there, all of them with seed trial grounds, and it's sad really to see most of them have gone. It is a shame because I think it's it's one of those exciting things where people who don't have that much horticultural knowledge within the company get to see the processes and see the growth of what we have on stock. Yeah. Now, if we sort of come right up to date, mm -hmm. uh, I've recently received the seed and plant catalogue for the autumn 2017 and spring Indeed. 2018 and shining out at me on <laughs> the front page is that rather spectacular calendula. It is rather impressive, isn't it? I think particularly with the, the strange combination with the bronzy back of the petals as well as that bright orange, it's, uh, it's a very interesting sort of unique bicolour, isn't it? Yeah, and, and, and really a, a seed for everybody, isn't it? Just scatter that and you've got it pretty well for life. I think so, yes. I think the great thing about it is that while it self-seeds, it's not really invasive. It tends to just die back and then it produces enough seed to almost fill exactly the same space. It's self-controlling almost. Yeah. And, and another plant which I was pleased to see when we walked those trials was the verbena. Or sensation. Yeah, that's right. Glorious one. That, I mean, that is incredible when you think that was spotted by our trials manager, Brian Tullman, in 2009. And it has taken this long to get enough seed to be able to produce it in the quantities we need. But uh, a, a lovely, compact and colourful variety as well. Yep. But he picked it purely on the strength of its fragrance. Uh, he did. want to tell me, just one plant, he walked past and couldn't believe the scent. And then that, from that one plant, it's a long time though, isn't it? 2009 to... It is, it is indeed. I mean, we, we managed, I think, to get enough cuttings and plant raised from cuttings for 2012, but the actual quantity of seed build-up took until this year to be able to launch it, which is just goes to show these, these things aren't snap decisions. When people ask for trends, it's very difficult because it takes <laughs> that long to produce them. But surely you make the trends, don't you? you well, know, we you try find, to. That, you, that's always the aim, obviously, yes. Yeah, if you find a good plant like that babina, yeah, then you're going to get some energy behind it, aren't you, and encourage people to grow it. It is. Uh, I think, as you saw at the trial, where we had the bed of it and the, the seats there for people to sit in, it's commented on, as it wasn't raining at the time you were walking round, that it does produce an, a fantastic scent. And if it had been sunny, it would have been even better. Now, what about other introductions? I'm looking at Cosmos, the carrots, Speedo, got a new uh, broccoli, Calabrese. What, what's your pick from all of those novelties you're introducing? I think novelty-wise, I mean, I've, I've been very interested in the, the pepper, the curry pepper. I think basically because it's, whilst it's a chilli pepper, 
we've had a lot of discussion here about where they, the heat is not really the important thing. We, we're looking for the spicy peppers, but with flavor. And I think this particularly, uh, because it's used quite widely in India, is a definite flavorsome chili. And we, we have, I don't know whether you'd call them volunteers or guinea pigs, but we actually have members of staff who go along when we have our pepper trials and actually taste all the peppers, not necessarily in one go. But that gives us a, a, a true indication of how much flavor there is rather than the heat. I think, that, I think that's becoming more important because people have grown these super hot chilies, which what can you use them for? I, I don't quite understand why you'd have these things that you, it almost kills your taste buds. Yeah, well, I'm told that, that the more you eat hot chilies, the more you come accustomed to it and the less hot they seem to be. I, I, I just don't like the idea of not being able to taste my food. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not a great enthusiast, very hot, spicy foods, but there's all kinds of suggestions now that, that, that we should look for really quite subtle flavours when we uh, eat both sweet and hot peppers. I, I think that's right. Uh, and I think there are more of these uh, spicier chilies that have lemon flavours, almost citrusy flavours, which can really make a difference to any food, whether you're cooking with them or having them raw in salads. And I think they're quite exciting, really. And if you're going to grow them, they need to be sown fairly early, don't they? It's one of the things that you need to get your order in pretty soon for. Yes, that, that is very much so. Interestingly, again, going back to Brian, our trials manager, he has quite an interesting way of growing them, which is in the pots that they are growing in, those pots then go into grow bags. And as the roots develop through the grow, into the grow bags, the grow bag becomes the watering reservoir. They seem to thrive like that. And the, the size of the pepper plants and the chilies that he grows, quite phenomenal, really. And I think it's, it's something I'm going to be trying, hopefully, once I've got a small polytunnel up at home, I'm going to be trying myself because I think it's an excellent way to improve the cro crop and the yield. Well, if you sow in January, they germinate quite slowly. Mm. They don't get too big too quickly. But if you grow them in, say, a nine-centimetre pot and then a 13-centimetre and then into the three-litre before you stand them on the grow bag, the roots are sort of kept contained and they're easier to water, aren't they? They don't yeah. take so much space. You can keep them indoors. And then when they really want to go in May, you just drop them onto the grow bag, let them grow through. And, and, and yes, as Brian has shown us, make really yeah. big plants. Exactly. And the, the amount of fruit he gets off them is, is quite remarkable, really. Yeah. Uh, another thing which I was very fascinated at the trial was your OptiGrow pre-germinated seeds. Now, can you tell us a bit about that? Well, yes. I, I, unfortunately, I don't know the full science behind it. My brain doesn't quite function at that level. But effectively, the, the seeds are... Uh, they're, they're heated with air and water, and then this triggers a partial germination. Then by some magic, <laughs> for want of a better term, they are stopped. They're cooled down and put back into a dormant state. But what it does mean is when you plant them, the speed of germination is a percentage quicker. We get uh, somewhere about a week 
quicker. We've had quicker germination than that. But it also, rather than just being earlier to germinate, what we found from our trials is they maintain that amount of growth ahead. The non-treated seeds don't catch up. They're always slightly behind. And this has excited us, I suppose you, you could say, because it means that uh, the, the novice gardener particularly has quicker results, which I think sometimes when you first start, you look at this ground, this patch of ground that you've tended, you've sown, and nothing's happening. And I think sometimes they just need that quicker germination to show, oh, right, something's happening, now I can relax. Well, we live, don't we, in a day and age of everything instant. And, and, <laughs> yes. I, and I remember trialling these pre-germinated seeds, well, I would think 15 or 20 years ago, but at that time, you had to sow them within a week or 14 days of the treatment. Now, you've got it advanced, so they'll actually sit in the packet for a longer time. And, and I've already sown the carrot and the parsnip from your OptiGrow treatment. And there's no question, they're up quicker. And really surprising, because I did the trial after I visited your trial grounds, sowing late July... And the carrots, I got a bigger root from the pre-germinated seed, even though you're sowing at a time when, you know, germination is pretty good. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Well, this is it. And I think that's, that is, as I say, it, it is a word we repeat here, but we do get excited by these things. And whilst, as you say, 15 years, 12, 15 years ago, there were these pre-treated seeds, we couldn't sell them because they wouldn't stay on shelf for any length of time. Now we can put a, a sow-by date on our packets of OptiGrow that's as long as a standard packet of seeds because this treatment works so well in, in stopping the germination process. So I think finally we've got something that works. And as you say, you've seen the results and it does work. Oh, without question. And I think with a crop like parsnip, where we're encouraged to sow fairly early to get big roots and the parsnip seed's not the easiest to get to germinate, no. I think your OptiGrow could be uh, the answer to our prayers. Well, we hope so, yes. It'd be nice to see at the end of the first season what kind of reaction we've had to it. Uh, it it's always a, a nervous time when we launch something new, particularly something as advanced as this. 
and uh, we have to wait that period of time just just as you do when you grow things we have to wait to see how people accept it whether they like it and whether it's a success but we're you know gardeners generally are conservative people so it'll take a season or two won't it Oh yes, absolutely, and we're we're not uh, we're not kidding ourselves that we're going to have an instant hit. These kind of things, as you say, people have to almost get a recommendation from someone they they trust. So if one person on a, an allotment say tries it and has success, then he will talk to his associates around the the allotment. So you want to try these, uh, and that's how it builds, as you say, because. There is a, a reluctance, I think, for particularly for new technology. And I, I can understand that. Yeah, I can too. But another change, which which you know I see demonstrated in your current catalogue, is the move to compact uh, uh, soft fruits, especially. Now I noticed that you've got a rhubarb called Apple Delight that crops right through until the autumn. I mean, I haven't grown that. Are you into autumn rhubarb? I mean. I'm not, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, I think I think in general, there's uh, people are having to come up with new ideas, and these late cropping varieties, it, it makes sense for people, I think, because they once they get a taste for a particular vegetable or fruit or whatever it may be, and and particularly rhubarb, they almost want that little bit more, and if we can supply something like that, I I think that's great, but. I feel a little bit nervous sometimes about it because it seems slightly unnatural. But in 10 years' time, it probably won't be. It'll be the norm, and every rhubarb you can get will probably crop through to that kind of time. Well, I look forward to growing it and, and, and seeing how I cope, although I'm afraid my tastes follow the seasons, and rhubarb's very useful forced and then in spring until we get into strawberries and raspberries, and then, you know, I sort of follow the seasons through... Mm. We're very much into apples at present, of course. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's I think that's quite right, and I think people have lost that seasonality because of supermarkets, effectively, isn't it? We we ship in all this fruit and veg all year round, and I think going back to my childhood, I think it was something quite exciting about the different seasons and the different vegetables and fruits that you got. Well, if I can take you on a bit further on those soft fruit pages, mm -hmm. the raspberry ruby beauty. I've grown now for four or five years, and I think that's an absolute cracker. But I do want to warn listeners that you need to be patient. It takes a year or two for the plants that we get delivered to us to get established, to spawn a number of canes, and to really fill the container. So it was really the second or third summer before I really realised what a useful patio fruit that raspberry is. And and so tasty as well. And I, I, you're right, I think we probably need sometimes to be more upfront about how long these things take. Um, people can, again, in this world of we want instant results, almost expect the fruit to appear straight away. And it, it's not going to happen. It, it does take time for these things to develop. The other thing, David, I'm a fairly newcomer to polytunnels. Right. And, and I noticed that you're offering a nine foot by six foot polytunnel at a very reasonable price. Mm -hmm. Now, even with small gardens, you should be able to find space for something like that, couldn't you? Shouldn't you? I think so. And I think people, if if they are really keen, I think a polytunnel that size, it doesn't take up a big chunk of space, but the difference it can make 
to germination and to keeping your, your plants going, I think people would be really shocked But how much it can help. Well, it certainly shocked me. And I can tell you, when your bones get a bit old, being able to nip into a polytunnel out of the wind and the wet, <laughs> quite apart from advancing the spring season and delaying the autumn one, it helps my old bones a lot. I can believe that. We we do have a, a big heater in our huge polytunnel here. And at this time of year, sometimes it's quite nice to, if you're taking a wander around, uh, to look at how things are, are not growing really at the moment, but checking up on things. To nip into the polytunnel is very nice. David, you've been most helpful today. Wish you a successful season. And I can't wait to see your trials again next summer. Thank you very much. We look forward to having you again. <laughs> So, what's on? Well, I suppose we're all uh, eyes on Christmas and uh, all the jobs and things to do concerning that uh, festival coming up at a speed of knots. Uh, but I thought I'd just mention the Toby Buckland Garden Festival for the 27th and 28th of April at Powderham Castle near Exeter. Yeah, April, a long time away. But they're going to have an early bird price on tickets, so it's worth me mentioning it. If you were thinking of going to uh, Toby's Garden Festival, then why not get them early? Might even make a Christmas present. Rachel Detame from BBC Gardener's World will be there on the Friday, the 27th. And then uh, the allotment here, Terry Walton from BBC Radio 2, uh, he'll be there on the Saturday. It's a great family day out. Just listen to what they've got on the menu to uh, entertain you. Archery, tree climbing, circus skills workshop. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I'd like to see Toby up on a high wire. Uh, uh, plus everything you would expect of a spring flower show. So there we are. Should have a good day out at Padram Castle. Thanks again to our sponsor, Thompson & Morgan. And thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your garden, and we'll be back next Thursday. And you can discover more at sungardening.co.uk. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 